students. Who doesn't love weekends? Full of selfies, snaps, chats, and whatever else you get up to. So fuel your passion for the weekend with a little help from Vodafone X. Switch today and get unlimited weekends and 20 gigs of 4G data for just 20 euro top-up. Plus 100 minutes of calls and unlimited tax. Now that's more fuel for more fun. Search Vodafone X now. For full terms, conditions and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Tip of the Tower Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. Uh, guys, the Toronto Maple Leafs are absolutely rolling right now. 6-1-1 the last eight games, 5-2 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. Everything is firing, man. It's just I, I can't even put words together about how well they're playing because I don't want to say it's surprising, but it is a pleasant surprise. Who am I kidding? Joining me as always is Jake Milton and David Morsuti. Guys, thoughts on the Leafs? Oh, um, yeah, good thoughts. Good thoughts, that's for sure. Uh, you know, we, we talked last week how they, they really needed to up their game, and they must have been listening because this this has been, like, probably their best stretch in a long time. Like, I don't think I've seen the Leafs, like, play. I mean, they probably could have won that game against Chicago. They had multiple opportunities to win that in the overtime, and imagine if they did and where they'd be and – it's it's a good feeling. That game against Boston, I think, was uh, was a defining moment of the season for them too. So, yeah, you can't you can't hate how they're playing right now. Yeah, it seemed like the only thing that wasn't firing was that stupid cannon. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Only yeah. twice it fired tonight. Only twice. I think I buried the lead though by accident. Um, Leafs are in third place. How about that? Third place yeah. in the ninth division. First time in a long time. We'll take that, that is that is for sure the spot you want to be in because I know the uh, that the Caps and Penguins and even the Blue Jackets are not really hitting the skids, but they're running into injuries and they're not hitting their top form. But those are still teams you don't want to play at all. And right now it's a battle for that number one spot, and and you don't want to play any of those teams. If you had to play one of those three teams, which one would it be though? Between Columbus, Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus, Columbus. Columbus? Ooh, That's yeah. probably seriously disrespecting Columbus, but like, yeah, it is. The, but the other two are just so good. Yeah, I'm... I might take my chances with Washington. Ooh, when they when uh, played them with, really tough with them having with him having home uh, home ice though. That's that's the problem. Yeah, that's true. That's well, true. every one of them would have home ice. Yeah, that goddamn cannon in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I would probably prefer Columbus. I would. Pittsburgh would scare me the most. Yeah, yeah I think, I think, I think they would sweep play. us. I think they would sweep us. Okay, well, let's get into tonight's game a bit then. Um, I think the whole motto or mantra, per se, of this game tonight was the Leafs, they bent, but they didn't break. 2-2, you know, they get up early, 2-0. Game goes 2-2, 3-2 off Nylander's absolutely beautiful goal. And then Polak takes that boarding penalty. Five-minute major. The Leafs end up staying on the penalty kill for 6 minutes and 47 seconds because Babcock didn't put anybody in the box, which he took full responsibility for after the game. And that kind of was the 
the defining factor of this game that the Leafs were able to kill that off and stay stay atop. Um, thoughts on Polak's hit, guys? I know I think that's somewhere that he needs to be better, but like you were saying off the air, Dave, he's known for this kind of stuff. Yeah, he's. I've seen him make hits like this before, and he's gone away with it. And I mean, the hit on Soshnikov, I'm surprised that didn't get a lot of attention from the NHL, and maybe it's because Bergeron didn't get injured. But yeah, this one they were not. They're not going to let this one go, and maybe you get to kind of see what things will be like without Roman Polak for uh, for a couple of, for a game. I, I think he will get maybe a game or two, but yeah, it was not a good look for him. And he's he yeah he's prone to doing these things. He gets over aggressive, and sometimes he may not mean to do it, but he I mean he's a, just a big guy, and he's going to lean in and really nail a guy because that's what he's meant supposed to be doing. And uh, yeah, he went way too far with that one. How many games do you think he gets, Jake? He has a hearing tomorrow, so does he get multiple games or just one game? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I didn't really get a great look at the hit. All I know is that Torts was livid on the bench about it. So, uh, I mean, you, I think David have a better idea for me. I gotta, I gotta pull up the hit because I didn't, I didn't get a good look at it. Well, he okay. So, uh, I know, he, I know, he hit him from behind. Yeah, he hit him on the numbers, but I think the part that really gets it is. And Chris mentioned this, he was getting his forearm where the head was and putting that against the boards. Like, if he hit him just from behind without getting the head, it probably wouldn't have been as bad. But because the head was, like, a big point of contact, the NHL is not going to take that lightly. And they have Yeah, Polak was trying to finish his check, but Bjorkstrom was going down as well. So his forearm kind of rode his head into the glass as opposed to riding, like, his, his body. His chest would actually hit instead of his face, but other way around. Yeah, I mean, just obviously you can't do that. I I don't. I'm trying to think if it was it was probably a worse hit than the Sashnikov hit, because yeah, he he blatantly sees the numbers and just continues to finish his check. I, I would say a game because you know, luckily he wasn't injured and he did get an ejection, so I'd consider that already one game. I would have normally said two if he didn't get ejected, but because he did, I would uh, I'd go with one. Well, when he was ejected, it forced Matt Humwick to really play a lot of minutes on that penalty kill. He played four minutes of that penalty kill. That's a ton. He was not off the ice. He was gassed. What was more impressive to you guys? Humwick playing the four minutes on the PK or Brian Boyle deliberately flipping the puck into the Columbus Blue Jackets bench so they could get a whistle? Uh, I, I would give it with uh, Hunwick. Uh, but, I mean, that Boyle, they needed to get it. I couldn't believe how long it was that they didn't have a whistle going for but yeah i think hunwick playing for four minutes we i know we've given him a lot of grief but he really stepped up there so i'll give it to him on this one he was really good tonight yeah and you need him to be i mean the last time they played the the blue jackets they really laid it uh they laid an egg there and they needed a better effort from them so i think hunwick has played better i don't i mean you can you can't get worse than what i've seen from him uh at certain times of the season, but yeah, he's been much better and it's what you need, especially with uh backhawk deciding to blunder the lines. And I know we're going to talk about that. So the fact that he's able to still keep up is, is good. How long it lasts and how it's going to live up if they get, if, and well, most likely when they make the playoffs, that that remains to be seen. Well, before we get into talking about the blending of lines that Babcock's done, especially with the defensive pairings, um, how about some love for Nazem Kadri and William Nylander? 
Kadri hit the 30-goal mark for the first time in his career tonight. Number 43 has had an absolutely remarkable season, especially when you consider the contract he's on. How much? How impressed are you guys with the development of Kadri? I mean, I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting him to be a lot better, but this is, this is, this is insane for him. I mean, this yeah, is just I, a huge step forward, man. I don't think anyone would have expected him to get 30 goals, shooting the puck less too. I mean, it goes to show how much he's actually really improved his shot. You know, I thought last year, when, although he had the really low shot percentage, you know, obviously, you know, you think that those numbers will even out, and they eventually did, but. You know, he wasn't taking good shots. He was shooting it right at the guy's chest or not really picking corners. And now he's he's not only getting in spaces where he can poach goals, but he's also, you know, shooting where the goal isn't. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but there's so many players in the NHL that don't know how to, you know, pick a corner. And it, it's it's really great to see how much how much time and effort he's putting into a shot and you, you can really tell. It's been a great season for him. For me, he's probably the team MVP. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Uh, Over Freddie? Yeah, I think so. Freddie's been remarkable, man. Over 940 save percentage in eight of his last ten games. I mean, I know it's just the last ten, but he's been really solid all season. Yeah, he has. But, I mean, just in terms of what you expected, you know, Freddie's done it before at a high level. I don't. We've never seen... Naz really do that at this high level. He's playing at almost a thirty-five goal pace. It's a good point. Yeah, he. I mean, and and he's also being defensively responsible and playing on both ends. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, he he's really bought into Babcock system, and it's it's really awesome to see where he's come from from when he was getting benched by you know Carlisle and you know all those mishaps back then. It's nice to see that. That's just a thing of the past, and it's also great to know that he's still signed up here for five more seasons at four and a half million a year. That seems like a steal now. Yeah, and well, that's really people, gonna, that's really going to help us moving forward too. Oh yeah, to give people an idea of how rare it is for the Leafs to have two thirty goal scorers that are centers, uh, this stat comes courtesy of David Morissuti. Austin Matthews and Nazem Kadri are the first pair of Leaf centers to score thirty or more goals since Daryl Sittler and Bill Derlego did it during the nineteen eighty eighty one season. Yeah, that's how long ago it's been since at least had two centers score thirty or more goals. Well, thank uh, Sportsnet stats and TSN for uh, for pointing that out. But yeah, and then I, I I also opened. I don't know if you guys caught it, but the other two centers to do it before Delago and Sittler came in nineteen seventy seventy one with Keon and Ullman. Keon had thirty eight goals, so it's very very rare for the Leafs to have. See, I think this has been the Leafs Leafs problem over the years it's not that they haven't had a guy do it because they've had guys get 30 goals they haven't had multiple guys down the middle doing it Sundin never had a guy behind him score 30 goals it's all also for me it's really big that that both of those guys are drafted and developed by the Leafs I mean uh I saw last night James Myrtle was saying when was the last time before Kadri and uh and Austin obviously Austin Matthews when was the last time they drafted and developed a 30-goal score? And it was Nikolai Kuhleman back in, I think it was 06. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and he's not an – that was pretty much a fluke year, but – That tells you all you need to know. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And how many people were ready to give up on Kadri too? Exactly. A lot. Exactly. A lot. Well, speaking of people that they were willing to give up on or give out in a trade – William Nylander, I mean, the guy's pretty much untradeable at this point, untouchable. We can finally put that crap to bed. But 
here's some praise for him. This guy has a nine-game point streak now, tying the Leafs rookie record. He got his 34th assist tonight, and he has points in 22 of his last 23 games. And the goal he scored tonight, unreal. Looked like yeah, a Phil Kessel-esque type goal. That was um, a snipe. Yeah, I mean, what more praise do you want to give this guy? I think, to your point, Jake, off here we were talking about, he has to stay with Austin Matthews on that top line. They can't move him around anymore. I think this is where he's staying for the rest of the season. Fair to say, guys? Rest of his career, so. Rest of his okay. career. Ooh. You don't see You can't. You can't that. break them up. I mean, th- th- this has the potential to be one of the more dynamic duos in, in the NHL moving forward. Easily. No doubt about it. For me, you know, he, he's a guy that I think can reach 80, 85 points. And, geez, just just his creativity with the puck and his shot is really underrated. My dad was, was making a comment. He asked me, he goes, who do you think has a better shot, uh, Matthews or or, um, or Nylander? And, and the fact that, that it was close, the <laughs> fact that I, I actually had to think about it is, is all you need to know. Well, you and I also had this discussion too. So, yeah, I mean, Nylander... Um, I can't believe his, like his shot. I think it's ever since that goal against Philly that people really started to pay attention to his shot and his shooting ability. He's had it all year. Uh, so, yeah, Nylander is definitely... And I remember, I don't know if you, you were there with me, Chris, when we there was a Puck Talks event uh, before the World Cup of Hockey or during the World Cup of Hockey, and they had a, a Swedish writer. I can't remember his name right off the uh, top of my head. But they had a, a guy from Sweden, and they asked him which uh, Nylander brother was better, Alex or William. And he said, I don't think either – he said it was a tough comparison to make, but he doesn't think William is going to be that good, and he would not be good in the big moments when you need him. Well, really? Think, yeah. He, he, I mean, yeah, I got the crowd like whole – a lot of Leaf fans in the crowd too, so they didn't really uh, sit well with, for them. But I think uh, Willie is uh, – is proving that he can he can kind of step it up when you need him to. So I'll have to find the name of that uh, that Swedish uh, writer. Yeah, it wasn't that that one. Uh, so I mean, to... to me, if Nylander can add the size on, he can and the defensive responsibility, you know, get that side of his game going down. He kind of has some traits similar to his fellow countrymen Hendrik, Henrik Zetterberg and Peter Forsberg. I know that's high praise, but when you look at his offensive creativity with the puck, Ooh, there's some comparisons there. I, I would say Zetterberg. I don't know about Forsberg. I know Forsberg's like really high. Because he was an awesome two-way player too, but and he was he was a freaking monster too. Yeah, he's a fridge out there. He still goes and plays men's league. I don't know if you saw him get dressed up. His uh, last year, he faked like his whole outfit. He got all decked up, put some makeup on, went out there and was acting like a real bender his first shift. And then everybody on the team was like, "This guy sucks. Get him off the ice." And then he started trying. <laughs> yeah, and then he I took everything it. off at the end. And he's like, "Hey, it's Peter Forsberg." <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, you guys want to get the deep pairings a bit here? I know that's been a huge point of emphasis for Leaf fans recently, especially because Babcock's been changing the way he uses them. Sure. The first thing that has really stood out for people is obviously them breaking up Morgan Riley and Nikita Zaitsev. Nikita uh, Zaitsev kind of looked, I don't want to say broken, but his confidence was definitely, definitely shaken after the Florida game. And he broke him up since then. And we've seen Riley play with the likes of occasionally Zaitsev, but mostly Roman Polak. It's worked out pretty well. We've also seen him deploy Riley on the power play as kind of like this this weapon almost where they'll bring him in in certain situations, a lot of offensive zone starts, and it's just been working out for him. I think Babcock being more cognizant of zone starts and how he deploys the D has been the biggest difference too, but um, there's a lot to digest there. But what do you guys think about the way he's changed the D? 
I think it needed to be done um, because, yeah, Zaitsev. I think Zaitsev is, will benefit from playing with Gardner more because Gardner is a guy that'll, that'll move the puck and kind of just give it to him. He does what he needs to do with it. Carrick, Carrick, I think is a a guy you can put with anyone, and he kind of helps, uh, especially with the possession numbers. He just makes he makes very smart plays. Uh, there's times where he does get caught. Uh, you know, making a, a weird defensive play, but I I like the fact that Car- oh, Riley and Carrick have uh, played well together. Uh, again, Riley remind. I mean, people always want to make that comparison to Duncan Keith. Well, Duncan Keith also plays in a lot of offensive situations, which Riley doesn't often do, and you don't see that impact that Riley can have because he's always relied on to do more defensively and. I think Babcock trying to give him more of an opportunity offensively has kind of helped grow his confidence because after that goal against Carolina, he's played a lot better. And you can see that in all the, the game against, uh, I think it was, uh, well, he scored the goal against Boston. Uh, I think he had another good, I can't remember the other game, he had a really good offensive play. Like He is a very good offensive player if he's given more opportunity to do it. If you say once in a while you try to give it to him, I'm not sure you're going to get what you want out of him. But if you give him more of an opportunity to do it, I think he'll he'll prove that he can do it. Well, I think Mike Babcock has tried to force a defensive game on him a bit where he goes, I know what this guy's offensive ceiling is, but defensively I'm not too sure. So he's going to try and force more defensive responsibility on him knowing that the points will always be there. Yeah, that's true. What do you think his ceiling is for points-wise, Jake? For uh, Zaitsev? For Riley. You think he could get oh. 50, 50 yeah, points? Yeah, I think he could hit 50, 50, 50 points. If he plays That's, well on the power play, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, he, he doesn't really play much power play, and I guess it's because he's not a great – he doesn't have a great shot or anything like that, but he's a really, really pretty good passer, especially, like, coming out on a breakout. He's a really gifted passer in, the, in that, right? I think his ceiling would be like 10 goals, 40 assists for me. So, yeah, 50 points to make sense. Okay. Who's more complete offensively at the moment, Jake Gardner or Morgan Riley? Um, Strictly offensively. Jake Gardner. I think he's a better skater. He's a, really, he's a better passer, and he's a better shooter too. I think Riley's got the speed. Uh, Jake, I think, definitely has the shot. Um uh, but I, I like the way that Riley is able to. The thing is, like uh, Gardner, there's times where he's more. He'll take more time with the puck and 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 make plays and like think about the play he's gonna make. But Riley just goes with it, and you kind of just have to keep up with him. So they they kind of play different styles with that. But yeah, uh, I I would probably give the edge the edge to Gardner, but I think Riley is not that far behind. Yeah, I was just curious to get your guys' thoughts on that because we see Gardner and Zaitsev take most of the power play minutes. And recently, Riley's kind of been injected into it a bit. I guess maybe he's a change of pace guy or just a different look altogether. But I was just curious if you guys felt that way because Gardner's been the power play guy all season. so And he should be. He's a better shooter. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Given the key to Zaitsev's point total, guys, and obviously his play recently, um, could he become too expensive for the Leafs this offseason? I know a lot of people want him to sign a two, three and a half million dollar per year contract, or even three by three and a half. What's too much? 
I think anything over over what Riley got. So I think I think anything up until like four point seven five million is fine with me. I would really, say, that's a big number. I would say no more than four and a half. Uh, oh, well, sorry, Dave. <laughs> hey, that two hundred fifty thousand is gonna make a big difference, Jake. You know, um, but he's an RFA. I think the the important thing to remember he's an RFA, so the Leafs are not pressed right away to do something. But obviously, the earlier you get them signed, and the longer you give them and try to buy the free agent years, it makes it easier. But you also think the Leafs have. Well, right now they only have, let me see here. They have, well, they do have five defensemen signed for next season, two of those being Marchenko and Mernson. So uh, you're basically looking for four, maybe three, four more defensemen uh, into next season because I think one of them is going to get picked up in the expansion draft. Although I don't know why Vegas would take them. Uh, so that the Leafs... The least have to be very careful with how much money they're going to put into a guy like Zaitsev, but you're probably better off getting him done now because if there's a guy you want in the future, you don't want to have to compete with Zaitsev getting a pay raise and then trying to go out and get another guy. Yeah, that's the thing too. Replacing him would not be easy. I mean, what you just said about the expansion draft, that's the only one thing to consider, but Hunlack is both free agents. I know we're not the biggest fans of them and a lot of people aren't, but there's still two players you have to replace. And as we've seen in the free agent market, replacing D is not the easiest thing to do. So I it, guess. I at least are in a position to, well, I, I know we could say I guess, but there's still two bodies, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I said I guess. I guess you have to replace them. You're technically right. But it's <laughs> pretty hard. Only it's, technically right, Chris. It's called addition, addition by subtraction, <laughs> in my opinion. I agree, but unless like a Dermot or somebody they feel is ready to step up, I don't know where they're going to get them, where they get replacements from. It's it kind of gives Zaitsev a little bit of leverage too in negotiations. Going, hey, I know you guys need me, so what are you willing to pay? Well, interesting enough, I saw Dermot play uh, last night, and he's he's looked better. I mean, I've seen him play twice this year, and he's definitely looked better this time he's around. He's kind of got heavy feet. Yeah, he he's does he's not the mo- he's not the quickest player on the ice, but his positioning is a lot better, and he's definitely not afraid of the physical game, which is good. But he's he's not. I don't see him in the picture next year, and I don't see Nielsen either. Nielsen is kind of I want to say dropped off, but he's got his game's got a lot quieter since uh, going on that offensive tear to start the season. So I think both of them still need another year, and this is why I think a trade is going to happen. You, you're you're going to see the Leafs add a guy by a trade, whether it's a guy that a team doesn't want to lose in the expansion draft, so maybe the Leafs trade one of the defensemen that they know they're not going to keep or protect, and they say to another team, give us a guy that you don't want to lose for nothing, and you maybe trade that other guy as a part of it. So that that's where I see the Leafs trying to make a deal in that that regard. But other than that, there's not another way you're going to add a defense where that's going to be an impact next season. Other than finding, I don't know, you're not going to find the UFA. It's going to have to be via trade. Yeah, the I, UFA I, would be like a Shattenkirk. Or Michael Stone. <sighs> you you didn't like Michael Stone. Now all of a sudden you're... I didn't want to <laughs> trade a lot for him. <laughs> but now Jake's yeah. okay signing him. Yeah. I think he signs because back he in Because he looks Calgary. better than... 
the two trash bins they got right now. Oh wow! Well, there's that's an upgrade on a pylon, I think. Well, maybe not. <laughs> um, but no, Michael Stone. I I see him sign. I mean, I haven't had a chance to ask someone I know about Stone who covered the trade. But I think he'll get like three and a half years or so. Yeah, over like maybe five years. He Calgary wants to resign him because Weidman is not resigning. Uh, so he's the obvious candidate to replace him. So, and he, you know, he's from Alberta, so that makes it easier to cozy him up to resigning there. So, unless he doesn't resign, yeah, go after him. But there's not many. There, there is not many guys you can go after other than Shad no. Kirk. And it's obvious that the trade, the trade market, or Shattenkirk are the only two real options for them. I mean, there you. You just know they're ma- they're trading for a defenseman. That that's has to happen. Has to, right? I mean, I'm looking has, at this chart for next year, to. and there's no way they're getting any free agents that are. Uh, you could argue the same or maybe a little bit better than Hunwick or Polak. I know they're trash, but you're looking at who's available here, and it's nothing to really brag about because you got Riley, Zaitsev, Carrick, and Gardner. Those four guys are locked in. So now you're looking to add to it, and I don't know. It's pretty grim out there. So I think the trade has to happen, right? We're right back to that talk again. Mm-hmm. Well, and you never know what's going to happen with the Russian with the Russian league. I mean, they signed another player from, from Russia so or a college-free agent. You never know. There's so many different ways to get players now. Uh, it's it's also just made it really hard to, to figure out where you can find players because the Leafs are one of the unique ones. They've I feel like they've acquired players – and got to be the most possible ways you can. You've signed a European free agent, a college free agent, an unrestricted free agent. Um, you've drafted your own guys. I mean, and I, they probably traded for a restricted free agent. They had to have in Connor Carrick. So, and they yeah, they've they've found very unique ways of putting together their team. Yeah, very Detroit esque. And added- Detroit was doing that for a long time. Adding guys in the waiver wire too. That's the other way. Oh yeah, that's another way, and they've definitely done that. Yeah, they've been really active this year on that. Shifting gears a bit, Austin Matthews. Um, he's got points in his last three games. You know, before that, eh, pretty quiet, pretty pedestrian by his standards. Do you guys think he's tired or possibly injured? I know James Myrtle hinted at it when the team was in Tampa Bay. Matthews said that everybody's playing banged up, so there's kind of the talk that he might be injured. Uh, on top of that, he's played a lot of hockey. You look at what he's played through. Obviously, he had the World Championships before the draft. Then he had the Combine. Then the draft. Then the Rookie Camp. Then the World Cup of Hockey. Then he had training camp with the Leafs. And then in the NHL. So he's played a ton of hockey this past calendar year. Injured? Hurt? Tired? What's the deal? T- tired. I think he's tired. I mean, so many of the Leafs guys are, are look like they're not slowing down. The only guy that, that I don't think is affected is is actually Mitch Marner, who I think has probably played the most games. I think he's probably played more games than, than Matthews, but it might be close. But, you know, it's Matthews, yeah, it looks like it's it's kind of draining on him, although today he was fantastic. I mean, he was all over the ice. He had one, he could have had a couple more too. So, I mean, it, maybe it's just a thing where he was running running out of steam down the stretch and maybe the fact that they're in a playoff chase and not only in that they're leading a playoff chase that they'll they'll re-energize him because we're going to need him down the stretch but yeah it's definitely not out of the 
out of the realm of possibility that he's he's playing for sure tired because he can use that excuse for sure. He's probably played over 120 games this year, so. Yeah, he's he's. I don't think he's hurt. I, I think you would you would see it more in the way he's playing, and that's I I think yeah, it's more I think more fatigue and you know he's probably trying a bit too much on certain plays to get something going, or it's just frustration building in at point at times. But his last, I mean, the game against Chicago, that goal he scored with Nylander was absolutely. It, it, it's it's what you're what you're kind of. What's the best way of saying it? It doesn't surprise you to see it because they've done it so many times, but it's just so great to see it more and more. And then the game, and obviously the goal uh, against Columbus tonight, just kind of his uh, routine sort of uh, goal, which is to go hard to the net and get the get something in front of the net. So uh, I think him finding different ways to score is also helping him as well. He's not a one trick pony like some other guys that the Leafs have had. Uh, that that definitely helps, and I think I think it's this is where it really you're, he's gonna get tested the most of how how he wants the season to end. He's only one goal away from tying Wendell's record for most goals by a Leaf rookie, and I don't see why he can't break it. And it would be a sh- <laughs> it would be cool to see if he It'd could be a get pretty it. pretty big disappointment yeah. if he didn't. Break yeah, it. I, I it a would actually disappointment. I I think he would actually. Uh, it might be a bit of a stretch, but forty might not be out of the realm of possibility for him. Uh, does it would take uh, take some serious hot stretch, but yeah, it would... a couple of multiple it... goal games will change that. Yeah, exactly. So, and he's capable. That's the thing; he's capable. We're not, we're not. At, it's not like we're saying something absolutely ridiculous that we don't expect to happen. For this kid, it's definitely possible. Um, he had he had fourteen goals in I think twelve games. From late mid December to what mid January, I think it was something like that. He had a, a double digit goals in I think it was ten or twelve games. You can always say what what if, but what if he didn't have that cold that I wouldn't even call it cold streak. Just that time where the, nothing went in for him, he would have easily been at forty goals and possibly up a top of the NHL goals list for this season. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of what ifs with this team too. I mean, we look at all the overtime losses. This team could arguably be first in the Atlantic. Yeah. If you even take away half that, if not first, competing for first. If anything, would you want to be first in the Atlantic? To face the Rangers in the first round over? No, say, I don't want to the Rangers or uh, Montreal. So, I would take the two seed though to play. Uh, be home against Ottawa. That'd be nice. That'd be awesome. It's not, not out of Boston. It's not. Impossible. Although, although if we if we do manage to hold on to the spot and play Ottawa, we'll have s- potentially seven home games anyway. So, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I just got that. Ottawa's a lot better this year, though. I mean, I think we can they all... are. They're they're gold. I was talking about this with plane. a friend. They're an underrated team, but yes. they're banged up right now. But they're underrated. Yeah, they are. They don't. They have pretty much one superstar and a lot of pretty good players, but. You know that they definitely have the defensive game that would be able to beat the Leafs, and they've proven that they can beat the Leafs. Obviously, I think we played them three times, if I'm not mistaken. They're two and one. Yep. Could yep. be. Yeah. No, you're right. So and Eric Carlson's a different player this year. He's not as oh. offensively driven as you're used to seeing. He's a lot more defensively responsible. They're just a different team. Way he's different. Leading, he's leading the league in blocking shots. Like, I love Why? how people yeah. are louding that. They're like, "Oh, that's an that's awesome." I'm like, "No." I, 
let some other bu- let that bum Barkowski or whatever his name is, the guy with no teeth, uh, <laughs> block shots. Like don't don't let the, my superstar player keep blocking shots. But hey, I mean, it's working for him, and you know, obviously the coaching change had a positive effect on him. But you know, obviously the po- coaching changes have had a positive effect on probably a, a third of the league this this past year or so. Even this past month, the yeah. coach has been fired. The teams have just gotten red hot. Although yeah. the Leafs have been killers of red hot teams. Yeah, they have. Beating Columbus, Boston, hanging tight with Chicago. It's been nice. It's been nice. On that note, guys, I think we'll wrap this podcast up. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud and iTunes at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Middleton 12. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Morissuti. Thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy the stretch run of the week. Sweden, William Nylander. The Knights, Mitch Barner. 